the Australian government must change course in foreign policy or we will continue to sleepwalk to war, which risks a nuclear war which cannot be won and should never be fought. The increase in the American forces training and exercises in northern Australia, the long-standing Pine Gap facility, together with the newly minted AUKUS arrangements, are all factors which lock Australia into a military alliance with the United States in its conflict with the People's Republic of China, the PRC. Recently, I overheard a group of my fellow mature citizens at the Bowls Club in a light-hearted conversation. The subject of China was mentioned with no perceptible change of tone. As I had not heard the detail of the conversation, I called from the Green. What do you think about going to war with China? The general response was laughter and incredulity. It got me thinking that our citizens' attitude is leaving the field open. Our politicians are being subjected to bellicose grooming by the United States war machine, aided by our own national intelligence institutions, the military and right-wing media, all of whom have vested interests. The time has come for people to speak up against the idea of a war with our major trading partner in pursuit of maintenance of the US hegemony. China claims Taiwan as its territory. The US President Joe Biden has promised to intervene militarily if the PRC seeks to take Taiwan by force. That action would result in a war between the two nuclear-armed major powers. The PRC claims, with some historical justification, that Taiwan is part of China. Since 1895, and more recently since 1949, Taiwan and China have had separate governments. Taiwan's continuing separation from PRC control and its economic development has been made possible by the guarantee of US military support and US economic investment. The people of China and Taiwan have family and cultural ties and the PRC has justifiable security concerns about an independent Taiwan whose government is closely aligned with the United States. The Taiwan government can claim that modern Taiwan's economy and infrastructure have been developed independently of the PRC. It is claimed that the people of Taiwan favour their recently developed representative democracy form of government and a capitalist economy over the PRC form of government. The US has been the dominant world power since at least the end of the Cold War. Under its dominance, an international rules-based order has been developed which, unsurprisingly, favours the United States' economic and strategic interests. The economic rise of China and the economic and social decline of the United States have seen China taking steps to extend its economic and diplomatic influence with a view to rebalancing the rules-based order. There is little evidence of China seeking to extend its military and strategic positions much beyond its borders. The US response has been to heighten propaganda to demonise China, to engage in provocative salami-slicing activities, treating Taiwan as a sovereign state contrary to the One China Agreement, and to adopt a forward military position and strengthen military alliances well beyond its region, thereby threatening China's security. The current narrative 
in the propaganda is the United States will be forced into war with China within three years, with the Taiwan issue as the detonator. A real fear is that the United States is seeking to go China into a war in the near future while it still retains substantial military superiority over China motivated by the need to re-establish or extend the life of US hegemony. Peter Dutton has said that if the United States goes, goes to war with China over Taiwan, it is unthinkable that Australia would not join with, in with them. Without a clear policy change by the current government, this is true. AUKUS, the previous government's policies of the United States' militarization of Northern Australia and enmeshing the ADF with the US military has created that situation. The current Australian government's actions do not accord with Foreign Minister Penny Wong's claim that we seek a strategic balance between the US and China in the Indo-Pacific. The present government's weak policy position is caused by fears of political backlash if it moves to a more moderate position in the face of the current wartime rhetoric demonising China. It must brave the political headwinds and take a strong position because it is inevitable that a war between the United States and China will develop into a nuclear war which even Ronald Reagan realised cannot be won and must never be fought. The Australian government must backpedal on AUKUS and wind down the militarisation of Northern Australia with American forces. It must join forces with the rest of the world who will also realise that there are no spoils of a nuclear war and no one benefits from being on the winning side. The preservation of US hegemony is not worth the candle, even to its allies. With the rest of the world's governments, Australia must plead with the United States and China to negotiate to establish an autonomous Taiwan governed in accordance with the wishes of its people, which can repair and improve its relationship with the PRC and derive economic benefit from the peace while maintaining Taiwan as a neutral buffer state to preserve the security of the PRC. The US and China must also engage in more wide-ranging negotiations so that the security of each country is enhanced more by trade and other relationships and less by military deterrence. Finally, the international rules-based order established and maintained under US dominance must also become the subject of negotiation in recognition of the economic rise of China and its increasing importance in the world. A good number of Australians understand that a war with China will be fought to pursue US interests and not our own. Others understand that the idea of a war with China is beyond madness. Those citizens must engage with government members and rise up in protest against the course to war charted by the previous government to make those members understand that they will pay the ultimate political price if they do not change course. If the Labor government is not persuaded, the Greens would be well advised to focus on its anti-war position as its major policy. In doing so, they will garner huge support from traditional Labor supporters and significant support from many quarters of the Conservative parties who understand the costs of nuclear war. It may even provide a pathway to government for the Greens. Sometimes the principal policy 
is also the right political decision. The US has been conducting drone strikes in Yemen for the last 16 years. The so-called signature strikes have aimed to suppress members of Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. But the campaign has killed scores of civilians targeting houses, schools, hospitals, markets, and even wedding processions. They would kill two or three from Al-Qaeda on one hand, and 10 or 15 civilians on the other hand. Where's this Al-Qaeda they claim to be killing? There are many other incidents like ours due to drones. They just kill us without even making sure that we are innocent. There are no reports of the precise number of civilians and the U.S. government does not provide adequate explanations detailing their strike. There are no better friends than the United States and Australia. Are you confident that Australian officials involved in intelligence transfers to the U.S. through facilities like Pine Gap are immune from future accusations or allegations of persisting war crimes? I'm very confident without admitting any of the assertions or premises of your question. ASIO and its officers operate in accordance with Australian law. Mothers and fathers want to know why their children were killed. I lay there gasping my last breath. Close by me lie the bodies of those I love. This man before me must be dead. In green and brown he followed the beast above. Amidst the screams of agony Somehow the worst pain I feel burns in my heart The tears bring flooding memories Our lives of simple joy now shattered apart And I thought, why do they come here? Those demons of hell Deaths of an angels, I fear they were summoned by an evil spell. What have we done to deserve a horror such as this? As I beg Allah for the answer, I'm greeted by death's kiss. Sat there staring at the screen Her last task of the day was plaguing her thoughts A secret base in Alice Springs So far away her job still made her distraught And she thought upon who will we really steer Those demons of hell Suspected terrorists, their guilt is clear But God, can we truly tell? This power we possess Deep down inside I condemn But I have family back home in the US So I'll say I'm protecting them
tread slowly through the bodies Stop short upon the side of a dying child The pain inside him came with tears Still no innocence read the report he filed But he thought Why do we send them here? Those demons of hell True heroes are what they cheer And I used to believe it as well But no amount of lies they say Can take my guilt and shame And no God to whom I pray Justify this pain No God to whom I pray Would justify this pain That is Drone's Lament by Franz Dowling and before that was an article Australia in the Middle by John Kerr. Let's go now to Bevan Ramston and Andrew Fullerton with their take on what's happening between China and Taiwan. This is Ian Kerr, 4PR Voice of the People. My name's Andrew and with me is Bevan Ramston. We're from IPAN, the Independent and Peaceful Australian Network. John Lander, who was Australia's Deputy Ambassador to China from 1974 to 1976 and Director of the Department of Foreign Affairs China Section on three separate occasions over a period of 30 years, has also made contributions to today's program based on his personal involvement in negotiations for the recognition of the People's Republic of China and the subsequent development of Australia-China relations. To understand the China-Taiwan situation, we need to go back to the 1940s. Following Japan's defeat in 1945 and withdrawal of its military forces from China, the Japanese-occupied island of Taiwan was formally returned to the Republic of China under the provisions of the Cairo and Potsdam declarations. The civil war between Mao Zedong's People's Liberation Army, the PLA, and the US-supported Chinese Nationalist Party, the KMT, under Chiang Kai-shek, which had hampered resistance to the Japanese invasion during World War II, that civil war then came to a head. In 1949, the PLA was victorious and Chiang Kai-shek's KMT forces transferred the Republic of China, the ROC government, to Taiwan. In October 1949, Mao Zedong proclaimed the founding of the People's Republic of China with its capital in Beijing, forming the government which has ruled China ever since. How did the US react to the communist victory? The United States supported the KMT in Taiwan against attempts by the Chinese PRC government to bring the island under its control. The ROC government on Taiwan claimed it was the government of all China, a position it still officially maintains. On the 25th of October 1971, 
the United Nations passed Resolution 2758 recognising the People's Republic of China as the only legitimate representative of China to the United Nations and removed the representatives of Chiang Kai-shek, referring to the ROC, from the United Nations. The PRC has consistently said that it intends to normalise its relationship with Taiwan by peaceful means over the long term, under the policy of one China, two systems, and with Taiwan having the status of an autonomous region with full internal self-government. The PRC insists that Taiwan is a province of China, a position recognised by all but a handful of, of national governments, and it reserves the right to resist, by military means if necessary, all attempts to make Taiwan a separate national entity. The corporate media harps constantly that China is a threat to Australia and the region, that it is expansionist, aggressive and a threat to what the US calls the rules-based order. Andrew, do any facts support this assertion? For over a thousand years, China has not expanded its territory and has lived peacefully with its near and distant neighbours, with whom it has mutually beneficial trading relationships. China had a brief border conflict with Vietnam in 1979 and a similarly brief border war with India, and in both cases a settlement was reached. Tibet, Xinjiang, Hong Kong, and especially Taiwan, are repeatedly cited as evidence of Chinese aggressive intent, an assertion which ignores the fact that these are all integral parts of China and that it is therefore justified in acting to quell efforts to destabilise them and undermine its sovereignty. China has one overseas military base, an anti-piracy operation in Djibouti at the entrance to the Red Sea, which ironically coordinates with the United States counterpart base in the same area. It has established military installation on reefs and islands to which it lays claim in the South China Sea, as have the other littoral countries which lay claim to parts of this waterway. China forcibly repelled Philippine fishing vessels from waters close to its military installations, but has since reached understandings with all claimant countries, including the Philippines, that competing claims should be resolved through bilateral discussions between affected parties. Although the US and its minions characterise these Chinese South China Sea bases as evidence of China's expansionist ambitions, China has made it clear that they are a defensive measure against the arc of US military bases confronting China and stretching from Japan to Malaysia and Australia. China has not forgotten the century of humiliation it suffered at the hands of Western powers 
and, having now become a major economic power, demands that it be respected and allowed to play a role as part of a multipolar world. It seems that the United States, until recently the dominant world economic power, feels threatened by China's rise and aims to confront and contain it in order to maintain United States dominance and prevent China becoming an alternative to US and UK control of world finance. This is the reason for the endlessly repeated assertions by Western politicians and the corporate media that China is a military threat. China is no military threat to Australia and the two countries have long enjoyed a mutually beneficial trading partnership. The threat Australia faces stems precisely from the fact that the US-Australia military alliance has resulted in Australia becoming a vital forward base for the US military and that, in the event of war between the US and China, US bases on Australian soil will inevitably become targets for Chinese retaliatory strikes. The obvious way for Australia to avoid this danger is to keep out of a US-China war by ceasing to slavishly follow US foreign policy and to remove US military bases from our soil. Andrew, what is the official policy of the United States towards China and Taiwan. In 1979, the US recognised the People's Republic of China, ended its recognition of the Republic of China, and stated that the government of the PRC was the sole legal government of China. By referring to the government of the PRC as the sole legal government of China, the US agreed that there is only one China and that the ROC is not a separate sovereign entity. The US acknowledged the Chinese position that Taiwan is a part of China, a policy that remains unchanged to this day. However, the US is playing a double game. In 1979, it passed the Taiwan Relations Act, to protect the significant US security and commercial interests in Taiwan. It also made commitments regarding Taiwan's security and empowered Congress to oversee various aspects of US-Taiwan policy. Contradicting its official position on China, the United States has encouraged an independence movement in Taiwan provides its government with billions of dollars worth of military hardware and seeks to create a public perception that Taiwan is an independent nation threatened by China. We'll now examine Australia's policy towards China and Taiwan, which changed fundamentally when the Whitlam ALP government was elected in 1972. The Australian government established diplomatic relations with the PRC in late 1972. It issued a joint communique with the PRC which recognised the government of the People's Republic of China as China's sole legal government. 
It acknowledged the position of the PRC that Taiwan is a province of China, severed diplomatic relations with Taiwan and discontinued all official dealings with it. The joint communique sets out the fundamental basis of Australia's One China policy. The Australian government does not recognise the ROC as a sovereign state and does not regard the authorities in Taiwan as having the status of a national government. Dealings between Australia and Taiwan, therefore, take place unofficially. Bevan, what should Australia do in this situation? Do we follow the US as it interferes in China's relationship with Taiwan and even join the US in a war with China? Australia's official policy on China and Taiwan makes it clear that this issue is China's internal affair and is none of our business. That's right. The Australian government's official policy on relations between China and its Taiwan province means that we should keep out of this dispute. Our government could urge a peaceful and mutually beneficial resolution of the issue, but that is as far as it should go. Despite this, successive governments have supported the US policy of containing and confronting China in the South China Sea and elsewhere. And successive Australian governments have allowed the United States to establish military bases in Australia crucial for US war operations, a situation which continues with the 2014 Force Posture Agreement and the 2021 AUKUS Pact. It's very clear that the best interests of the Australian people can only be served by the Australian government adopting an independent foreign policy and declaring that Australia, its territory and its military forces will not be involved in a war against China and that its spending priorities will instead be directed to urgent social needs such as public housing, climate change mitigation, public health and public education. That was Andrew Fullerton and Bevan Ramston from Independent and Peaceful Australia Network. So let's go now to a person outside Dr Chalmers' office at Logan. It was part of a protest against AUKUS, the submarine deal that the Australian Labor government has endorsed. And let's just hear what one of the ordinary people there had to say about that deal. We're going now to Logan City, ain't it pretty? So, but my, my um, big concern was that the escalation of ant um, antagonism towards China, which is, the, which is media propelled, is that um, I, I went to a film the other night which was started in Moreton Bay showing the shoreline birds and their migrations and one of the places they land is, well, start here in Moreton Bay, but they land in Taiwan and they land in China and those birds need peaceful places with clean water and they need clear air and 
even in their research, they couldn't go into research whether these birds with incredibly expensive technology had landed in Ukraine or Russia because they weren't allowed in there. So if we want a planet that's working together, we fund science and we fund renewable energy and we stop putting our $368 billion towards warfare. Thank you. Thanks everybody for coming today. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. The ALPN government has been outflanked on social policy by a variety of different political forces, by the Teals, by the Greens, and even in some respects by independents like Jackie Lambie from Tasmania. And the areas of social policy where they are weakest is on public housing, on unemployment and on poverty. They say life wasn't meant to be easy under Albanese, but the Prime Minister says in reply to that, you have to be in government to do anything. Well, Labor is in government and has done nothing any different to the NLP. On foreign policy, they are in the pocket of the United States. The Australian government are robbing workers to pay for nuclear submarines. We say workers' housing not submarines. Anyway, let's go out with a song called Satellites by Jumping Fences. This is Ian Kerr, 4PR Voice of the People, signing off for now. Darling.